Welcome to the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast, where we provide you with your weekly diagnosis of everything fantasy football. Whether it's season-long leagues, dynasty, DFS, or even IDP, we got you covered all season long. Let's do it, let's do it, let's get to it. Welcome into the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John June, and we are covering the hits today. Uh, so got my co-host here, Greg Penniman. Greg, what is good, mm-hmm. man? What's good, what's good, people, fantasy people? Feeling all right, you know. Again, we're gonna go right into the uh, hit, get into all our hits, reaching real deep into our bags today. Uh, gonna be feeling real good about ourselves today, you know. A lot of confidence of what we did throughout the year uh, and the people that we added that you know helped us win a lot of games. Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, last week we covered the misses, so if you want to go back and, and catch that, uh, most definitely uh, say you do. Um, you know, we went through all of our misses, uh, each position, not all of them, uh, some of the big ones, though, uh, from the preseason and, and whatnot and what we potentially learned from from some of these misses here. But um, today we're going to we're going to cover the hits, uh, you know, some of our preseason hits, uh, some maybe calls that we made in season here as well. So uh, as we usually uh, do start with the quarterback position. Uh, Greg, like you said, it's time, you know, we, we're going to feel ourselves a little bit. Uh, what quarterback do you, would you say uh, is, is your first hit this this, this time around? Uh, you know, and during the preseason, I did mention uh, Big Ben as a sleeper. He was uh, my sleeper for, uh, coming into the, the preseason show uh, for quarterbacks. And, I, you know, I think he did exactly what, you know, a sleeper would do. Uh, he was a guy that was basically going undrafted in rounds, late rounds, a quarterback. Uh, and I know in a, a league that, you know, we had – drafting two quarterbacks and three quarterbacks he was like the third quarterbacks i had but definitely giving you sleeper value finishing qb 14 on a year uh, from week one to 17 uh total points and uh that's a uh, pretty solid that's a borderline <clears throat> you know qb2 uh high in qb2 and uh, giving you a lot of qb1 weeks especially with those three receivers uh getting him some some top uh five performance performances yeah, man. I mean, uh, through weeks one through sixteen, he was the QB twelve in total points. So uh, that's a QB one right there. So definitely mm-hmm. returning some sleeper value right there. Um, you know, we always joked in season like I always want to pick Big Pen- Big Ben as a stream, but for some reason he's <laughs> he's not available. Right. Um, but yeah, definitely came through as a sleeper quarterback uh, for me. And, you know, I didn't have any ridiculous calls on here but if you just listen you listen to us follow my rankings you know during your draft and you most likely ended up being just fine joe burrow was my breakout quarterback on his way to a, a you know really good rookie year before tearing his knee uh finishing as the qb 14 in, in fantasy points per game so you know i'll take that one as a hit uh josh allen he was my qb 7 ended up having a phenomenal season as the qb 1 in total points and uh and also points per game if you remove dak from the equation um you know, had to get a little creative to find some some real hits at the quarterback position since, you know, we ov- overall as a community, we're much better at ranking quarterbacks than, than we are at most other positions. So uh, going to have to go with some waiver wire guys here, you know, some guys that we may have been more, more adamant about them than maybe other analysts were for a little while. But, uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill, he was widely available for most of the season. You know, I kept banging the drum for him mm-hmm. in season as a priority pickup at the quarterback position. Ends up finishing as the QB seven in total points. Uh, Greg, there's another guy that we were, you know, really high on 
uh, a rookie. Who's that? Oh, man, you already know. Fantasy football son itself, Justin Herbert, the Herb. Oh, man, this man came through uh, from the start. You know, we had him. I had him on a waiver list, and, you know, we were in support of him right after the, you know, the first start, after the, when he played the Chiefs, one of the first, only the first rookie quarterback to have uh, 100 passing yards and 100 rushing yards in his first start. Uh, you know, he, he balled out in that game. And then right away, we had him as, you know, QB start of the week, uh, again, against the Saints. And uh, that's when it happened, man, on Monday night. Got us the win in Siemens B2, you know, got us the win and actually uh, comeback win. So the Herb all the way, if you got him in leagues, he was free for a long time, for two, three, four weeks, I would say, uh, to go at him. And he gave you top five, top seven value throughout the year. Yeah, man, Justin Herbert definitely coming through as somebody that, uh, you know, we almost knew right away, man. Yeah, as soon as we right saw away. him play that game against the Chiefs. Uh, we were both equally impressed with him and, you know, pounding the drum literally from that moment. I mean, if you were in our leagues or if you were, uh, there was no way that you were getting to him, uh, especially because, you know, I felt like a lot of the teams where I had Cam Newton at that time, it was the perfect pivot to mm -hmm. get to Justin Herbert because mm -hmm. that was the time that Cam had gotten COVID. Uh, and so, uh, you know, picking up Herbert and, and adding him was <clears throat> You know, very easy to do at that point. Right. Uh, and Greg, you almost had a meltdown on air because of some comments Anthony Lynn had made about Tyrod Taylor oh, actually being inserted <laughs> back into the starting lineup. Uh, that's how passionate you were, you know, even back then about the Herb. And, and rightfully so, as you finished the QB 10 in total points, man. Uh, you know, barely even, only starting uh, six or 15 games, rather, uh, and coming in. You know, as the QB 10 in his rookie year, no offseason, uh, breaking the rookie touchdown record, uh, 31 passing touchdowns, uh, you know, was 39 yards short of the uh, passing yardage record, uh, ending the season with 4,336 passing Ooh. yards. All of this while having a 66.6% completion percentage. Mm, mm, uh, mm. Justin Herbert is so uh, you know Justin Herbert he's somebody that I personally feel like like there's even more meat on this bone here from a fantasy perspective uh, when you consider that you know the Chargers ran the ball in my opinion way too much on first and second down uh, and they have this efficient quarterback here who can just literally put the ball basically anywhere he wants to on any given down and convert touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. Yeah. Uh, if you can't tell, I really like Justin Herbert. Uh, I know, Greg, <laughs> you really like Justin Herbert. And we'll be competing in drafts to acquire Justin Herbert. So um, <laughs> going back to the, into the bag, man, uh, Taysom Hill, man, he's another guy. They got a little crazy with the tight end eligibility stuff on ESPN. But, you know, we were pushing him as a viable option at the quarterback position. Yes, sir. Uh, during that time. When Breeze was out with injury, uh, Hill was the QB7 in total points and was a well-worthwhile streaming option at the quarterback position. And after Taysom, Hill, uh, came to, after Taysom Hill's time to, came to an end, uh, I was recommending to go hard after Jalen Hurts, uh, saying to pick him up and stash him. Greg, I know you were on board with that one too. Pick him up and stash him in Week 14 when they played the Saints, see how he does. Uh, and then from then on, he was a weekly starter. Uh, between weeks 14 and 16 as the QB3 overall. Oh, man, yeah, especially if you had him in that Cardinals game. That was everything you needed to really get you in uh, in the playoffs and make a playoff push. 
Yeah, man. Uh, do you have any anybody else at the quarterback position, Greg? Or is there anything that you learned about the quarterback position this year, or, and maybe something you'll take how you uh, attack drafts next year? Um, all I know is, uh, if you know, I'm not you know going to be afraid of taking maybe a rookie quarterback late. Uh, someone that I think can be in a situation uh, where he's going to be in high success starting from week one or, you know, on uh, or be week two or week three on like the Herbert or Joe Burrow. Um, so Trevor Lawrence, I'm definitely looking at you. Yeah, man, Trevor Lawrence, uh, especially Justin Fields as well, bringing some of that mobility. He's mm-hmm. somebody that Absolutely. should bring a lot of intrigue as well. Um, but, you know, you know, th- I think what I've learned is the fantasy community has finally caught on to uh you know mobile quarterbacks oh and yeah definitely i feel like we used to be able to get a discount where like last year uh we were getting you know J- uh, lamar jackson and josh allen uh getting them much later than we felt like we should have been able to get them because of their mobility uh, and now you see lamar jackson end up being you know a second round pick third round pick in drafts and i'm not saying that that should that should happen again but um I think because there are so few guys in the league that have the, this kind of ability to not just get it done with their legs, but also put up elite level passing production as well. Uh, these guys are going to go sooner in drafts than we than we maybe previously thought. You know, a guy like Josh Allen, a guy like Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, Justin Herbert, all these guys uh, should be close to one another in drafts somewhere probably in the mid round based on the advantage they might bring, you know, they bring with their legs. Uh, you know, I didn't say Mahomes because, you know, I think he'll always be drafted ahead of most quarterbacks in most standard quarterback leagues. But, you know, you know, you never really know. But maybe uh, this whole idea of waiting on quarterback, you know, everyone's going to be kind of thinking that, right? Maybe we just buck the curve here, buck the trend here, and maybe pluck one of these guys a little bit earlier than, than the field is expecting. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm totally with you on that. Yeah, man. Um, so moving on to the running back position, man, and you know I'm, you know we talk about that bird, bird man hand rubbing. That <laughs> meme. This is this is one of the this is one of these where I'm really gonna be feeling myself, bro. So uh, I'm just gonna start here, man. Nick Chubb, my ride or die. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had him as my RB six coming into the year and half PPR scoring, and while he missed four games, he finished as. Uh, the RB six in, in in half PPR points per game on the season, finishing as an as the RB eleven, still an RB one, even though missed four games, uh, but only two times all year did he finish outside the top twenty two running backs on a weekly basis. Uh, that was week one against Baltimore and week four when he was injured uh, and missing. You know, he missed obviously the following four games, but he was an absolute stud. He was a top 10 running back in 50% of his games, and the other 50% he finished lower than RB22. Again, just those two times that I previously mentioned. Uh, And when he was on the field, he was consistently productive. He was seventh in the NFL in rushing despite missing just four games, Uh, was third behind King Henry and, and the Iron Chef Dalvin Cook. In, in rushing yards per game, he had a career-high yards per carry at 5.6. This dude was just balling. And Kevin Stefanski has a system that is, is very running back friendly, as we've seen uh, from Dalvin Cook in the past. And Nick Chubb was able to get all this done despite the presence and production of Kareem Hunt, who finished as the RB8 on the year uh, in total points and the RB17 in fantasy points per game. So again, 
Chubb is uh, someone who I'm super interested to get uh, at this time next year. Uh, if I can get him at that RB6 price tag or, you know, potentially might have to pay even higher to get it. But uh, he's somebody that I'm, I'm all in on in 2021. Yeah, definitely. Nick Chubb, you know, I was just saying it off the air, you know, if you know, Cleveland Browns, if they're going to get to that, to that, make a run to that championship, it's going to be the, on the back of Nick Chubb. This man's an absolute beast. Uh, what he does in the regular season and what he does right now in the playoff time. He's a, so tough to tackle, so elusive, so quick too. And yeah, so, yeah, Nick Chubb continuing to be great next year. Yeah, man. Greg, what about you, man? What, what running back has you, Birdman, hand rubbing right now? Oh, man, definitely, you know, when we made that pivot to especially the the love to the, to the gas man, Miles Gaskin, uh, you know, I, I was able to add him in our in our dynasty, you know, MFL to getting that player, Miles Gaskin, for, for cheap. Uh, and he was literally free uh, in a lot of leagues. Again, we talked about the, making that pivot from Jordan Howard to Miles Gaskin. We saw the touches and the opportunity all go to him. It was nice and easy to make that switch. And he all year long, uh, he was able to come through for you. Um, you know, he got that injury, which was kind of came killer during the season. But when he came back, he closed well. Uh, Miles Gaskin yeah, came through this year. Yeah, man, Miles Gaskin definitely came through. I mean, talk about things I never thought I would say in 2020 that my fantasy championship was ruined because I didn't have Miles Gaskin <laughs> in our league of extraordinary people league. Uh, things I never thought I would I would have to say in 2020, but Miles Gaskin, the gas man, like you said, we made that pivot real quick and it was well worth it. I mean, one of the I think you know one of the things you, we talked about on air was, uh, you know, would you. Uh, you know, trust or trash Miles Gaskin outscoring uh Joe Mixon for the rest oh, yes. of the yep. season. I do remember this. Yes. And you were you were all you were all in on Miles Gaskin. I said, no, man. I mean, Miles Gaskin is great, but uh, I'm taking Joe Mixon. Uh, and since that moment, I think Joe Mixon had uh that the 40 point explosion, and uh, I think that was the last we saw of Mr. Joe Mixon <laughs> for the <laughs> 2020. <laughs> so, uh. Miles Gaskin, man, you know, he was one of the guys that, you know, absolutely loved. Uh, I think you you were in love with him definitely uh, a lot more than I was to start the year. Uh, but by by midseason, I, I had realized what this guy was in terms of the amount of opportunity that he was getting and uh, those touchdowns that started to slowly come to him. Um, yeah. What do you yeah. think is going to be Miles Gaskin's situation next year? I mean, Miami Dolphins widely seen as a team that, Will, that could potentially draft a running back. Uh, we know there are some talented backs in this draft class. Uh, Najee Harris, potentially, uh, you know, Travis Etienne. So there there are backs that, you know, Miami could could get, even, you know, potentially backs in free agency when you consider Marlon Mack and Jamal Williams and all these guys. So uh, where do you see Miles Gaskin's outlook going in 2021? Uh, so definitely got to depend on the situation. So, you know, I'm on the on board that Miami makes that spectacular move and moves all their draft picks to a certain franchise so they can get Deshaun Watson, which will also boost Miles Gaskin's uh, prospects, I think, even more. Um, but, you know, if, you know, they're able to sign maybe a running back, I definitely he was, he's a solid running back, too, if you take away the touchdowns still. So I think that is what you can kind of expect him as his floor. Um, and maybe his ceiling is probably will be a little more capped if they do sign another running back. But I think RB2, uh, top 25 weeks, uh, that 20 to 25 range is what you can always expect from Miles Gaskin. 
Yeah, man. I mean, he was the RB11 in points per game. Obviously missed some games due to due to injury and due to COVID. So, um, you know, he he was definitely productive. I think he'll definitely has a, have a role as a pass catcher yep. uh, regardless of, of potentially what running back comes in here. Uh, it's funny, man. The RB10 on the season in points per game was Chris Carson, uh, who's a free agent. And I just thought about, you know, you know what? Imagine Chris Carson and Miles Gaskin yeah, man. in my in That's Miami true. together. I mean, that would be nice. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> would be nice. Uh, so next running back, I'm gonna go to man. Uh, I'm gonna go with my breakout running back here, man. Jonathan Taylor, ranked as I had him ranked as my running back 18 coming into the season. Finished as the RB seven in total points. He, you know, like I said, was my breakout. If you listened to our preseason breakdowns, uh, but there was also that week 10 Thursday night football game against the Tennessee Titans where he barely touched the ball. And I would basically uh, condemned him right here on the show, saying he wasn't playing to his talent <laughs> level right now. Uh, he wasn't playing with the necessary vision required to play running back at a high level. Uh, and, and in those nine games between weeks one and week 10, he ran for 428 yards on 113 attempts for four touchdowns to go along with 22 catches for 203 yards. So that's 16 game pace. That's 1,100 uh, total yards for on 240 touches and seven touchdowns. But then something happened after that week 10 Thursday night game, and you know everything clicked for JT. And he was playing much better between weeks 11 and 17. Yes, I'm going to use a week 17 stat here, but bear with me; it fits the narrative. Uh, JT ran seven, for 741 yards on 119 attempts and seven touchdowns to go along with 14 catches for 96 yards and a touchdown. That 16-game pace is 2,200 total yards on 360 touches to go along with 22 total touchdowns. That's the JT. Um, I'm not saying I expected those numbers from him, but that's the JT I was looking for when I called him a generational talent at the running back position. Absolutely love this guy. I think the future is bright, and he's somebody we will be selecting in the first rounds of drafts in August and September next year. Oh, yeah, anytime you run for 253 rushing yards. I mean, in, in the championship week, too, for some people, like, yeah, that's money. Uh, I mean, I, I think, yeah, you the only certain people can do that, and that's like Derrick Henry and maybe a couple other names. And that. So I'm definitely going to be eyeing him uh, as a you know round one candidate. Yeah, man, absolutely got to love that. Greg, what about you? Any anybody else you got at the running back position? Um, yeah, I'm not gonna take full full credit, but you know, as someone that I, you know, James Robinson, a guy, you know, was the guy mm. that mm-hmm. you know was <laughs> talking about him a little bit, you know, preseason before you know, when that Leonard Fournette news happened. If one running back is gonna come through and break out, uh, James Robinson, the the team really liked him uh, coming out of reports. Uh, so a uh, guy that you you. Free, so free after week one, uh, after week, you know, the, you know that you could have took him undrafted. And uh, so he was a guy that finished four in total points uh, from week one to 16, uh, literally an absolute safe beast. Uh, even when those polls were coming up with the James Robinson versus Zeke rest of the season, I was all James Robinson still. Uh, James Robinson week to week uh, was the only stable thing and the only relevant thing in the fantasy offense for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, yeah, he came through. You know what's funny? When we finished up the misses episode, I was like, shame on me. I didn't take a miss for James Robinson. And I'm glad that you took a hit for it here, Greg, because um, you know, you were more adamant than I was about James Robinson. I said, Who is this guy? Uh and James Robinson is somebody who, 
you know, he he, he obviously slipped through the cracks, uh, not just in the fantasy community, but in the NFL. He was mm-hmm. an undrafted player. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, obviously wasn't all there. But when you watch James Robinson play, you can clearly tell the NFL missed on James Robinson. Yeah, because this dude is a player, man. He's a baller. Um, and, you know, I don't care what the Jags do. I know, we, you know, it's something that's been talked about. You know, he's an undrafted free agent. Uh, you know, so Jacksonville, I mean, I'm expecting Jacksonville to, to add something at running back, whether it's through the draft or through free agency, but I'm not expecting it to be uh, a pr- of premium value. Uh, but I'm also expecting James Robinson to be better than whatever they bring in. So, uh, you know, James Robinson, he's, he's a good player. He's, he runs with good, good toughness, good contact balance. So he's somebody I think is, is going to be here to stay. Um, but we got to, Move on to some other hits, man, because I, you know, I don't know, man. I, running back position was very nice to me this year. <laughs> uh, you know, you guys always – I know, Greg, you guys in the League of Extraordinary People always make fun of me uh, because I always am, am uh, gobbling up all these running backs. Mm-hmm. But, hey, mm-hmm. it's a tried and true method. Has not led to a championship in the League of Extraordinary People. But, uh, hey, man, you know, basically, I've, if, I've learned – If you uh, made the – you know, if you started, like, you know, make a rule change, start four running backs, you win the league every year, yo. You should just do that. or if i just don't trade all my running backs away that would also help too uh but going with ronald jones here man oh yeah ranked my guy at running back 33 i had him even higher than that before the letter for net news broke but he finished as the rb 17 in total points he was my sleeper on the year uh, again, I was a little low on him after the Fournette signing and was much higher on him. But prior to that, I had him as the running back 20. But all signs in the offseason that were pointing to Ronald Jones being a value in 2020 held true. This guy was playing in a good offense. As we said, he would. The Bucks were seventh in yards, third in points. And he would lead the team in carries and rushing touchdowns, which he ultimately did. Uh, he had 978 yards and seven touchdowns in just 14 games this season. Falling just short of the of that thousand yards that we you know we we all so desire, uh, but Rojo I think will continue to be a guy next year that can be the lead back in this Tampa Bay offense. He'll never be the pass catcher that maybe we want him to be, uh, but that's why he'll be available after after some other guys. But I expect Rojo to be a value again next year based on how twenty twenty went. Yeah, definitely Rojo being that situation again. Um, such a productive running back, and he always has that one edge because he has big play value and big play value in fantasy is money. So um, he's definitely going to be relevant next year. Yeah, man. Uh, Greg, anybody else that you got? Uh, no, I think that was about it for the for the running backs on my end. Oh, I got one more for you. Oh, okay, Antonio okay. Gibson, <laughs> man. Ranked that running back 26, finished as the RB 13 in total points. And a lot of times we're talking on here about unleashing Antonio Gibson. Yes. And even when we thought that he had at times that the usage was still, uh, you know, even at, at times where we thought that he had been unleashed, his, his usage was still super inconsistent, especially with J.D. McKissick involved, who would often uh, siphon a lot of the pass game work from Gibson. But ultimately, year, uh, ultimately Gibson's year end, uh, went kind of high. I expected it to. Uh, actually a, a bit better when you consider he had 11 rushing touchdowns in 2020 uh, on just 795 yards. So there's definitely some regression due there. But the hope is that in uh, 2021, Gibson can take an even larger role as a lead back and even taking 
on more passing down work as we know he is a hybrid. He was a wide, uh, a wide receiver running back hybrid in college. So I think the ceiling here is, is potentially even higher for Gibson. Uh, there's talks of him even uh, coming in trying to he's going to try to shed some weight next year. And we know that that ulti- what the, uh, that can ultimately do for uh, running backs, uh, give them a, a bit more explosiveness there. Uh, and so if he can really hone down his uh, his work in pass protection, uh, we obviously know he can catch the ball. I think Gibson has, you know, an even higher ceiling potentially in 2021. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and totally Gibson, free AG. I'm glad it happened. Uh, he's also a guy, man, it's just, it's real deep, man. Those, those, all those guys you mentioned, like it just, it's going to be tough to really, you know, decipher through them. And, you, you know, you definitely get a lot of sleep around value uh, next year. Yeah, man, for sure. Um, all right, man, let's let's cover these wide receivers now, Greg. Uh, who is your first hit at the wide receiver position? Oh, man. I mean, I'm going to just start big right off the bat. You know, it's got to be this man, Will Fuller, my breakout receiver mm. coming into the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, this man only played 11 games for you, 11, 11 games for you. And then through 16 weeks, he still finished wide receiver 25 in total points. Uh, so basically, if he had the 16-game pace, he had 77 receptions. It would have been for over 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns. This, that's what this man was doing and what he was on pace on. Uh, whether it was for the PEDs or not, it don't matter. He still hit for me, and he still <laughs> hit for the fantasy people. Uh, and he was healthy and came through. Uh, yeah, it's excellent for this man. Uh, I'm so happy that you know he finally was you know that came through in that number one receiver role for Deshaun Watson. Uh, and, you know, situation next year might be different, so uh, we don't we don't really know who's his quarterback's going to be if it's going to be Deshaun or not. But other than that, this year he did hit for you if you got him at that round six. You know, the conversation was you know Will Fuller, Hollywood Brown. So really, if you hit with Will Fuller, you were saying really happy. Yeah, man, uh, I was trying to get them both, but it was almost impossible being in leagues with you. You were absolutely head over heels in love with Will Fuller, uh, and rightfully so, man. He was the wide receiver eight in total in points per game, uh, half PPR points per game. Uh, Will Fuller was the wide receiver eight at fourteen point eight. This guy, I mean, you know, you know me. I've always been a, a believer in Will Fuller's talent. I've just he's just never been able to stay healthy, and this year he finally was. Now, question is, was it because of the PEDs? We don't know. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's really important for me to know from a dynasty perspective because Wolf Fuller is on my dynasty teams, and so I've got to make this this you know I've got to decide you know make a decision here. Uh, but you know, if he does if he does still end up with Deshaun Watson, then obviously I'm I'm all in. Yep. On Wolf Fuller. Yep. Uh, but not you know he is a free agent though as well, so. You know, if I'm him, I might, you know, I might tell. Oh, just follow on, follow him. (laughs) Just follow him, you know. With that. (laughs) So, uh, you know, definitely curious to see. I mean, we know Green Bay wanted him at the trade deadline. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's that was reported at the time. So maybe he he can end up there as well. So he'd be excellent number two for Devontae. Speaking of Devontae, one of my hits. Uh, <laughs> Devontae. Oh, I, man. Uh, I'm not going to spend much time here, but I had him ranked as the wide receiver one, finished as the wide receiver one. And this one, again, doesn't seem amazing, but didn't even play it all seemed the like games. a hot take at the time. He did not play all the games. only played 13 games this year. Um, but at the time when I did this, it seemed like it would have seemed like a hot take because going into this season – 
Michael Thomas was widely seen as the number one receiver in fantasy. Um, and so, you know, that quickly changed after week one when Michael Thomas, uh, you know, missed time with a high ankle sprain. And Adams came out the gate with 14 catches for a buck 56 and two touchdowns. Uh, so we kind of knew what kind of year it would be. So, but just kind of put it in perspective, I projected Adams for 108 catches for 1,365 yards and t- 10 touchdowns. And Adams ends up with 115 catches, 1,374 yards, and a ridiculous 18 touchdowns, which I never would have projected. But again, that was in 13 games. So that just speaks to what he could have been uh, setting career high games, in receptions, <laughs> in receptions, yards per game touchdowns and even set a career high in catch rate at 77% smashing his previous career high of 65.7%. This dude was something was really something else at the wide receiver position this year. He is different. Like he literally I am not surprised. Did you see when he made he literally made Chad Ocho Cinco cry because of the routes he runs, man. This man brings people to <laughs> tears, yo, with his route running. Like I love this man Devontae. He is my favorite receiver in the league hands down like Devontae is that guy. He made Jalen Ramsey look average yesterday, like average. Yeah, I was uh, I was talking to a friend of mine. Uh, we're we're both, you know, really diehard Jets fans, and we were just reminiscing about bad Jets drafts. And I was just talking about that draft in 2014, that vaunted receiver class, and how <laughs> one of my favorite receivers from that class was a kid from Fresno State named Devontae Adams. Uh, that got drafted in the second round, and the Jets were on the board. Could have had this kid, uh, but instead they chose some tight end from from <laughs> Texas Tech, uh, Jay Samaro, who's not even in the league anymore. And I knew it was a terrible pick because who drafts a tight end with small hands that falls every time he catches the ball in college? That really makes no sense to me. But I digress here. Devontae Adams, he's absolutely wonderful. Uh, Greg, do you have another hit here at the wide receiver position that you want to? Uh, you're feeling yourself over. You want to spread it out to the people. Uh, some sleeper people uh, definitely got to be, um, you know, Terry McLaurin and also Deontay Johnson. Uh, Terry McLaurin, uh, scary Terry, you know, finishing wide receiver 19 in total points uh, from week one to 16. Um, just being a guy you could trust to, you know, give you wide receiver one weeks, uh, give you consistently. I think a lot of consistent weeks as well, you know, giving you kind of that, that Robert Woods consistency back in the day, um, you know, week to week, especially with his quarterback situation. Um, it's, uh, glad to see he came through if you were, you were drafting him, uh, and kind of in that wide receiver 20, uh, 25 to 30 range. So he definitely came through for you. And Deontay Johnson was almost free. He was going like round 10 and lower in some drafts. Uh, so he came through big time for you, uh, especially at the target number. And when he was healthy, uh, this man was getting 10 targets a game, giving you wide receiver one value week to week. Yeah, man, it's, I love that you brought both these guys up. Terry McLaurin uh, was my breakout, one of my breakout wide receivers uh, at the position. Um, you know, didn't have the year that I projected for him, but still had a solid year. Uh, 19 uh, was the, the wide receiver 19. I had him at wide receiver 15. No, actually, I think I had him at uh, 16s. But, um, you know, don't want to, you know, didn't want to really claim that one. So I'm glad you brought him up. Deontay Johnson, I am claiming, though. So I'm glad you brought him up as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, finished as wide receiver 28, or finished as wide receiver 20. I had him as wide receiver 28. Uh, could have even been higher if oh, he yeah. had missed time with injuries. Uh, he, Like you said, he was a target hog. When, when in there, he was somebody that 
all offseason, I kept saying, why would you draft Juju Smith-Schuster in the third or fourth round <laughs> when you can just take Deontay Johnson around eight or later? And it was something that I repeatedly did because there was no player that I had on more fantasy on more of my fantasy rosters than Deontay Johnson himself. <laughs> he missed out on just a 90-catch, 1,000-yard season, having just 88 catches for 923 yards. And I honestly think we could get a discount on him when you consider the issues that he had with injuries. All the and drops. drops. Oh, man. Also, <laughs> the, the, the bad taste uh, that he left at the end of you know the Steelers, the bad taste at the, the, the end of the Steelers season may have left in, in most people's mouths. He's not spectacular, but as a wide receiver, too, that's getting volume each week, He's somebody I'm, I'm definitely eyeing next year. Um, and then another guy I'm going to bring up, because you talked about one of my breakout wide receivers, so i got to talk about the other one. Uh, I know you talked about him last week in our Misses episode, uh, but I'm taking him here as a hit. That is Calvin Ridley. Oh, yeah. Had him ranked as my wide receiver 18, finished as the wide receiver of four. Uh, he was, again, one of my breakout wide receivers, um, you know, uh, couldn't I didn't feel right talking about Terry, but I'm gonna talk about about Ridley. Uh, has been always always been talented. He was on his way to a thousand yard season in 2019 before getting hurt, and then in 2020 we saw a different beast. Man, he played 15 games, uh, missing one with injury. You know, which again Ridley likes to do every now and then. But he set career highs and catches at 90 yards at 1,374. He scored nine touchdowns, which surprisingly is not a career high for him. Uh, but we saw him set a career high in yards per reception at 15.3. Again, Ridley was just a beast in 2020, and I think he's overtaken the mantle as a wide receiver one in Atlanta. Definitely. Uh, you know, we wanted him over Julio, and I think that's going to be the case next year. You know, he's definitely going to be uh, a round one candidate as well, around that round two turn. Um, Calvin Ridley is going to give you good wide receiver one value. Uh, any other wide receivers you got there, Brent, uh, Greg? Uh, definitely with the waiver wire hit of the year, you know, for me. Uh, and also, you know, Dynasty reps, T. Higgins, that guy, what he was able to do mm. with Joe mm. Burrow uh, coming through is solidifying his role as, you know, you can make the case he's the wide receiver one in Cincinnati uh, going into next year. Mm-hmm. Um Sliding in with uh, possibly no A.J. Green, uh, so it's going to be fully him and Tyler Boyd uh, owning that uh, target reception and target share. Uh, so, yeah, T. Higgins coming into next year as far as dynasty prospects and what he did this year without Joe Burrow as well. Still relevant, giving you wide receiver two value. Yeah, man. I mean, I wish for your sake that T. Higgins was the wide receiver pickup of the year, but I think that man, that goes to Justin Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to go to Justin Jefferson, who ends up as the wide receiver seven. I'm not here to claim Justin Jefferson, though. Uh, but a rookie wide receiver, I am here to claim a hit on. And that is Brandon Ayuk, man. Uh, I had him ranked as a wide receiver 48, finishes wide receiver 31 in total points. Uh, even though he only played just 12, 12 games, on a per-game basis, he finished as the wide receiver 16. Uh, now, Greg, you did tell all the people to pick up Brandon Ayuk. Uh, mm-hmm, mid mm-hmm. in the season, but he was somebody we talked about all preseason. Uh, you know, leading up to the season, considering Debo Samuel's uh, injury, George Kittle's injury, uh, and he's somebody that again very near and dear to my heart because when it came to ranking rookie wide receivers in dynasty uh, for the for the 2020 class, I was higher on Brandon Ayuk than mostly everyone as I had him as my wide receiver five in the class. Uh, he's someone that my wide receiver prospect model uh, really liked, and so. Uh, you know, I'm ranking him 
you know, my, my model really liked him and ranking him as the top wide receiver in the class. And so, you know, boy, did he come through in year one, just 12 games, 60 catches, 748 yards, five touchdowns to go along with 77 rushing yards and another two touchdowns. That 16 game pace uh, is 80 catches for 997 yards and 10 total touchdowns. The sky is the limit for this kid in Shanahan's offense. And I'm, I'm excited to talk about him as one of the top fantasy wide receivers in these coming years. Oh, yeah, man. Scary Terry's young D-hop and Justin Jefferson's baby Moss, man. That's what we're doing right here. Uh, so what's Brandon Ayuk, man? Oh, Brandon Ayuk, man. Oh, man. Oof, I don't know, man. He's like, he's he's baby Landry, you know, baby Jarvis Landry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 2.0, two, two oh, though. No, I don't, 2.0. I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that comp. I don't like that one. Nah. No. Can we go like baby Odell? How about that? Oh, man. Odell. Ooh. Oh man, oh uh, yeah, but he's you know he's a runner too. Like oh, I guess Odell's a runner too, man. Oh man, okay, okay, we can do that. Mm-hmm. We can do that. We can do that. Yeah, man. Um, and I'm not gonna claim anything because he didn't finish as a top ten wide receiver. But I promise you, if you gave him uh, 16 games, he would have he would have done it for you. Uh, AJ Brown is a bad man. That's all oh I'm yeah, saying. absolutely, man. Man, average 14.3 game. Uh, you know he he's wide receiver one. AJ, you know, AJ Brown's an absolute beast. Got Tennessee into the playoffs. Um, yeah, he absolutely came through. Yeah, man. Um, do you have any other wide receivers here for the people, Greg? Uh, no, I don't. All right, man. Moving on to the tight end position, and this one, you know, if we got hits here, we they got to be they're going to be some good ones, man. So, Greg, I know you probably got got some for us. What do you got at the tight end position? Uh, definitely. You know, my guy who, you know, if he would have got, I think, played 16 games throughout the year, I think he would have finished as a tight end one, but also just uh, got dinked up throughout the year. Noah Fant, my uh, breakout wild, mm-hmm. tight end of the year, uh, came through as uh, tight end 13 in total points. Um, you know, he played very well with Drew Locke and bad quarterback situations this year, uh, being that breakout that you needed that, you know, you you were getting in round 10, 8 to 10, and was giving you good value uh, for the guys that, you know, like Ty, like Tyler Higby, uh, like, you know, Dallas Goddard, or, you know, he finished, you know, higher than people like or George Kittle that you were taking a lot earlier that uh, maybe didn't come through because of injury or whatnot. But Noah Fant uh, came through, and, yeah, he was he was a good hit for me. Yeah, man, he's somebody that suffered from a high ankle sprain, also dealt with a rib injury. He had a multitude of injuries throughout the year. Uh, so even missing those two games, playing through those injuries, still finishing as the tight end 13, I think that's all context that's going to be used when you know we're hyping up Noah Fant as, a, as somebody we should even be drafting sooner uh, than this tight end 13, tight end 12 range that he finished in in 2020. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you ended up going with your breakout tight end. I'm going with my breakout tight end as well. That is Mike Gusecki, ranked as the tight end nine, mm-hmm. uh, finished as the tight end seven in total points. And I felt like I had a really good read on the Chan Gailey offense in Miami and, and how players could be used uh, by going back and looking at the, the 2015 New York Jets as the model. Uh, Chan Gailey was the OC of, the, of that Jets team. And obviously, being the resident Jets fan here, uh, I... I you know, and you know, pretty much, uh, you know, qualified to speak on this subject of Jets offensive coordinators. <laughs> but when we we did our breakdown show here, I actually talked about how Mike Kosecki would play the big slot role that Eric Decker played for the New York Jets in 2015, and he did just that, playing 302 snaps from the slot, which was the most of which was most of any Dolphins player. He saw 53 of his 85 targets come from the slot. 
uh, according to PFF. I projected Gusecki for 58 catches, 701 receiving yards, and six touchdowns through 16 games. Through 15 games, Gusecki had 53 catches for 703 yards and six touchdowns. Now, Chan Gailey has since resigned and, re- and retired, uh, I believe. So it will be interesting to see what happens to Gusecki, whose usage we saw uh, shift a little bit with Tua in the lineup. I know it wasn't always great uh, for Gusecki, but he was a top 10 tight end in 33% of his games this year. He had three games of 19 points or more, which only Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller can can actually claim that. Uh, and he ties Darren Waller for three games if you're just looking at weeks 1 to 16, uh, only second to Travis Kelsey. So, um, yeah, I think all, all in all, it was it was a pretty good year here for Mike Gusecki. Yeah, definitely a great year for Mike Gusecki uh, with his quarterback situations, you know, also being uh, in flux. So uh, he definitely would definitely get a bump from uh, having Deshaun next year. Yo, you keep saying that like that's going to be a thing. Yo, yo, As a Jets fan, I, I can't have it. that kind oh. of stuff happening. <laughs> no, I don't want it, bro. I don't want it. I would love to see them keep Tua for the next 10, 15 years, bro. Like, sure. I'm like, I'm all with that. I don't want this Deshaun nonsense over here in Miami. If anything, he should come to New York, you know? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Y'all got, y'all got the assets, yo? Yeah, yeah. What you mean, bro? What are you talking about? We got, we oh, got yeah, the, the second pick in the draft. Okay. We got the 23rd pick in the draft. We got two threes. We got two ones next year. And okay. we got Sam Darnold if they want that. Okay, okay. You know, yeah, I got son. That's true. That's true. All right, man. Uh, Miami, any other tight ends that you got here? <laughs> no, stop that crap. Any, any other tight ends you got here? Uh, you know, tight end hits you got here, Greg? My tight end breakout of the year definitely hit with no fan. My tight end sleeper of the year also hit with John o. Smith. He finished even higher than that. He finished tight in nine uh, as far as total mm-hmm. points from one to 16. So he's even more of a hit as far as where he was going, which is literally undrafted uh, to where he is uh, to where he is now uh, when he ended up. So ADP gap was definitely huge, uh, definitely with a huge hot start, too. And I uh, was able to play through injury and be a guy uh, even in flux with the Anthony Ferguson situations. You know, he was still able to give you for what tight ends are uh, good, a good year. Yeah, I mean, he he started out hot, was the tight end one through the first four weeks of the season, uh, then dealt with an injury, dealt with, uh, you know, Anthony Ferkshire, and uh, it just became a point, you know, at one point where, <laughs> where we didn't know what to do with him, but he's, a, he's also a guy that's going to be a free agent, will be interesting to see what happens with him, uh, and interesting to see what happens with Ferkshire as well, um, you know, could get that, uh, if, you know, if you are you know, could get some cheap production there in a dynasty league with Ferkshire potentially Mm -hmm. uh, getting a starting role in Tennessee. Um, But another hit that I'm going to go with, uh, I'm actually going to go, I'm going to claim Robert Tunyon here, man. Uh, I had him ranked as the tight end 21, which again, that number doesn't matter when you're looking between tight ends 12 and 20. Uh, But he ultimately finished as the tight end three, but uh, I'm, the reason I'm going to claim Tunyon here is because he's a guy that I brought up in the preseason. Uh, he and Rodgers were developing some chemistry together. Uh, I brought him up as a guy to keep an eye on potentially. And I made him my stream of the week in his biggest performance of the year uh, when he scored three touchdowns against the Falcons on Monday Night Football. Uh, and it, it's it's funny, he had him projected for 51 catches, 501 yards. He actually ended up with 52 catches for 586 yards. But the di- the biggest difference here is he called he caught eleven touchdown passes. Now I don't expect him to do that every season, but we do know 
Uh, tight end is one of those positions takes takes a little bit longer for these guys to develop. Tunyon now enters year four. He'll be 27 years old. And so like a fine wine, I'm expecting him to get a little bit better with age uh, in this Aaron Rodgers-led offense where he'll continue to be a weapon, uh, especially around the red zone. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember a guy you were saying, oh, yo, Robert Tunyon. I'm like, who the hell is this person? Uh, but, you know, he came through <laughs> throughout the year. Uh, you know, that, you know, I was always a fan, not a person that Aaron Rodgers could succeed with tight ends uh, in a fantasy-relevant offense. But, you know, he came through throughout the year. And, uh, yeah, he's going to be a guy you look to uh, next year, especially with that high touchdown upside. Definitely with that touchdown upside. Uh, Greg, any other tight ends? Uh, hits or miss or hits that you have this year? Uh, no, I think that's about it. Well, I got a one bad miss, uh, not a bad miss, a one hit because I said a dude would do bad, uh, and I hate to do this, but I'm gonna do it. Zach Ertz, <laughs> uh, ranked at tight end five. Uh, he was my bust, so obviously he was never gonna touch him here at, at tight end five. Uh, and I advised that many, many times to never just not take Zach Ertz. Uh, but I ended up being right here as he finishes the tight end 33. Uh, I said in my breakdown at the time that Ertz won't have the benefit of having to be leaned on because of the lack of weapons uh, that the Eagles had in 2019. And we saw that uh, within the you know the in season the in season emergence of guys like Fulgham and even uh, Rager and, and Dallas Goddard at, at points. Uh, and I said not to even be surprised if, if Goddard uh, finished higher than Ertz in the season-long tight end finishes, which Goddard did finish higher than Ertz. And I even warned of Ertz having struggles with injuries in 2019 uh, and that he, you know, not to be surprised if he has issues with injuries again in 2020, which he ultimately did. And so the re- I know I said I hate to do this, but the reason I'm doing it is because uh, there's something that I felt like needs to be taken from this process. Uh, so my bust, I, I gave you three red flags here for Zach Ertz, uh, and all three of those red flags ended up hitting. Uh, but sometimes we see a player have one red flag, and that shouldn't be enough to completely fade a player. But like I said with Ertz, if there are just too many red flags where the probability for him to succeed in 2020 uh, is, or you know, to succeed that year is low, like it was with Ertz and how I saw it, you know, it being low, his probability to succeed being low in 2020, uh, then, you know, that should be just be an easy fade. And so that's, that's why I bring this up. There's just so many red flags, so many, there's more questions than there are answers. Uh, maybe that's a sign that we should be fading a player. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm agree with you, just all those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And then for, uh, you know, we never talk about, you know, defense and special teams here, but I'm going to have to bring this up because uh, the Washington football team, <laughs> yep. they were my sleeper defense of the season. Uh, I said it so many times that they would be a, a defensive special teams that I would target uh, during the year as a streamer because I really, really love the addition of Chase Young uh, and what a player of his caliber could do when it came to, to unlocking some other talented guys in that defensive line in Montez Sweat, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen and even the old vet in Ryan Kerrigan. And and he tied, or he did exactly that. You know, they were the Washington football team were sixth in sacks, seventh in pressure rate, second in passing yards allowed per game, and second in, uh, or tied for second in, in passing touchdowns allowed. They also were fifth in interceptions and seventh in takeaways as a whole. So 
you know, I don't. I know we don't talk a whole ton about defense special teams uh, when we do our offseason breakdowns, but I felt compelled to talk about them in the offseason, uh, and they ended up coming through. So you're gonna hear, you're gonna be hearing from me about them now. But we often overlook the addition of, of guys like Chase Young. But we all need to. But all we need to do is look at what Nick Bosa did for the 49ers just a year ago when they when they were in the Super Bowl. Uh, so you know. Something to keep an eye on going forward. I, you know, we'll see a guy get drafted on, 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 um, you know, in April, and, and it may not have like a whole, a whole. It may not have a, a whole uh, lot to do with the with the overall outcome. Or we may not think it has a whole lot to do with the overall outcome of that team, but sometimes that player could be uh, the missing piece to a formula. So that's that there. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, a team that was going undrafted. So, you know, if you're considering drafting that that defense or that kicker and you see, you know, a guy like James Robinson, or AG, just just take just take like the the player. Yeah, man, just take the player. <laughs> you know, if, if, if like, you know, we talk about this. I talk about it all the time, uh, but it's something that I, I do in some of my leagues and people look at me like I'm crazy. But I will literally not draft a kicker or a defense as long as the rules do not require one. Uh, and then I will pick up, like Greg said, pick up an Antonio Gibson, pick up a James Robinson, uh, you know, pick up one of these guys that potentially could, uh, you know, could have some value if something happens, you know? Yep. So uh, I think that's all we got, Greg. I don't think you brought a defensive special teams here unless you did and you're surprising me. No, no, I'm not surprising you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, would you look at that? Our hits episode was shorter than our misses episode, so uh, we're, we weren't too full of ourselves, right, Greg? <laughs> no, no, not too, no, not too full of ourselves. You know, didn't take the PEDs too much, didn't juice up. No, I didn't juice up for this one. Uh, but gonna get juiced up for these uh, dynasty rookie rankings that I will be rolling out. Uh, so be on the lookout for that on this feed. Um, you know, I will be covering. Uh, dynasty rookie rankings for the quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, uh, tight ends, uh, maybe even get into a little bit of IDP if the time permits. But, um, you know, be on the lookout for that sometime after the Super Bowl. So that's my target date for releasing that episode. But uh, so that'd be another, what, two weeks from now or so. So uh, three weeks from now, rather. But uh, gonna take some time off, but I'll still be active on uh, on Twitter. I'll probably be releasing slowly releasing some stuff out there. Uh, Greg will go into hibernation. Is that correct, Greg? Oh yeah, you already know. Ball is life season. You know the Sixers doing really well. Uh, and you know Harden just got to the Nets. Just dropped a thirty point triple double last week. With, I mean yesterday with fourteen assists. Uh, you know I'm about to be in first place in fantasy basketball too in the league that you're in. So yeah, I'm, I'm full for NBA more right now. Yeah, man, and uh, you know Justin Harden also see or uh, Justin Harden, James Harden. I'm thinking about Justin. The Harden, herb, man, the herb, yeah. The <laughs> that's, herb. The, that's the effect he has. I'm telling you. <laughs> you, you could clearly see where my head's at in 2021. Um, but James Harden dropped the fat suit. I, I guess what what does it do with that? Did, was he wearing a fat suit? Like what's happening? I don't know, man. He he still looked kind of big when he was playing. The jersey looked kind of loose when I was uh, in in game time. So. I mean, I, he definitely gained weight, but I don't think you know it. It was like you know you could you could wear it differently. TV TV does the mysteries, you know. Yeah, I mean, I know he was wearing black, which you know makes you look slimmer. So, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe, when you, maybe when he had, had the they had the powder blue jerseys on, he still looked a little a little hefty. 
All right, man. I don't know. <laughs> it's just if he if he literally wore a fat suit to get out of to get out of Houston, that would be the most hilarious thing I've <laughs> ever seen happen. Like the dude literally wore. A fat I wouldn't be surprised. Suit, NBA, so yo, NBA does next level. NBA players are yeah, next level petty. Yep, next level petty, <laughs> man. I totally agree. Oh man. All right, brother. Well. We are. We will. I'm sure we will have you back on here sometime between now uh, and the actual start of our of our regular season recording. But uh, for now, you are you are a uh, you're you are no longer a full time member of this podcast. So, is there anything you want to say to the people before you head out? Um, you know, guys, you know, just, just stay safe out here. You know, do what you gotta do. Uh, you know, stay stay locked in with these this fantasy people uh, season. Um, you know, uh, with the you know off season, I know I will be, especially with these rookies coming in, like Devonte Smith, Najee Harris. You know, uh, basically all these Bama guys. You know, I need to know where they're gonna end up. So, uh, yeah, I wanna you know be interested. And also, if you have any other fantasy seasons going on, just you know keep focusing, locked in on that. Yeah, and you could always reach out to us. Uh, I run the Twitter account at FF Diagnostics. Greg runs the Instagram account at FF Diagnostics. So uh, if you ever want to reach out, always find us there. Uh, also, Greg's personal account uh, at we underscore made it. And then my personal account at JR Football Nerd. Uh, so continue to stay locked with us there. Again, be back here uh, the Monday after the Super Bowl to catch a breakdown of, of these Dynasty rookies. Uh, and then after that, we'll just keep rolling out these uh, uh, this dynasty talk, this off season talk, hoping to bring on some more guests this year, uh, this off season. Uh, so, you know, so it'll be fun. It'll be a fun, fun gamut of shows that we got. Uh, but you know, like you know, like before you before you know it, we'll be back here doing uh, our breakdown shows and and covering uh, some some preseason uh, football talk and. Uh, doing some mock drafts so uh you know we're like six months away from that so if uh again if you want to follow us you know where to follow us on social media you want to reach out to us uh, ask us questions more than happy to assist with that uh but as always love you guys appreciate you all for listening and we are out yeah